From the ISC, I am Lara Pedley and welcome to the ISC podcast, where I speak with inspiring insurance leaders about networking, mentorship and building a successful career in insurance. Welcome to the ISC podcast. My name is Lara and I'll be your host today. Now today I have with me Margaret Milkin, our US ISC chair, and Day Bishop, one of our ambassadors. Margaret is the managing director of the Jacobson Group serving the full scope of C-suite, executive management and board searches. In her spare time, and I don't know how she does it, Margaret is a champion for diversity, inclusion and intersectionality in the insurance industry. She co-founded the Women's Insurance Networking Group, a platform for networking and career development among female leaders, emerging talent and enlightened males. She is our US Chair of the ISC, Chair of the Million Women Mentors and North American Diving Champion. Day is a director in Willis Towers Watson's insurance consulting and technology business, where she helps insurers with technology and new ways of working to improve their business operations. Driven to make the insurance industry innovative, inclusive and diverse, Day serves on the Willis Towers Watson's Inclusion and Diversity Council for North America and co-founded the Global Insurance Women's Investment Network. Day also helped to bring ISC to the Monte Carlo Rendezvous in September. Together, Day and Margaret, alongside many other supporters, are being disruptors and creating much-needed change in the insurance industry, both in the US and wider insurance markets. It's the first day of Divin in 2019, and I'm so delighted to have you both here to share your experiences with us. You two are a force to be reckoned with. How did you both meet and start working with each other? Well, hello, Laura. This is Margaret, and we're so delighted to be here with you today. And I'm going to tell you this all started with our beloved founder of Insurance Supper Club, Barbara Schoenhofer. She is the reason that Day and I are sitting here today as uh, co-champions along with Noelle Cotaspati for 2019 Dive-In. So thank you, Barbara. This is Day. I would I would just like to add, you know, I echo that. Thank you to to Barbara. Uh, Barbara helped me when I launched a networking group for women in insurance investment. Uh, I wanted to hold an event in London for the first time, and I was connected with Barbara, and she helped us make that happen. Not only did she help us make it happen, she got Inga Beale to to be the keynote speaker for our very first event um, that I did for my networking group uh, when we went to London. And ever since then, um, I have been there for Barbara and Barbara's been there for me and she connected me with Margaret and we've just been, we've been going strong ever since. The rest is history, hey? The rest is history, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell me a bit about how you both got involved in the insurance industry. Why, why the finance sector? Well, you know, for me, this is day, I actually, my background is art history, so of course I went into finance. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I worked in museums and auction houses, and then I had a headhunter ask me if I'd like to get into investment banking, and I thought, uh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I ended up getting into investment 
And working in investment, uh, I started, I, I ended up at Lazard on their fixed income desk. And insurers invest a lot of their assets in fixed income. So I started to have insurers as clients. And then I went to work for a company owned by AXA Group. And so I managed money for AXA and other insurers. And my story is probably similar to so many who have joined or served the insurance industry. I stumbled into insurance. I was recruited by Allstate as a management trainee right out of University of Illinois. I was there for just a few years and joined Jacobson. And I joined as an actuarial recruiter. I knew nothing about actuaries except doing one rotation in actuarial with a marvelous actuary by the name of Nelson Strom. He was the first actuary I ever met. He was wise. He was warm. He was funny. And I said, well, I love working with actuaries, so of course I'll be an actuarial recruiter. And here I am, 30-plus uh, years later at Jacobson, serving the insurance industry and still the actuarial community as well. So it's been a fun journey for me. Never regretted one day. <laughs> oh, that's great. So looking back at your careers, can you think of something that stood out to help you progress in your careers? Yeah, this is Jay. I can I can think of one thing that that you know really stands out to me that attracted me to every single company that I've ever worked for, and that was definitely the fact that they had very strong women in senior leadership roles at their companies, and they weren't just um, you know kind of HR type roles. They were leaders of technical practices. And when I saw that, I thought, wow, this is a place that I want to work. I want to, I want to work with that woman. So I think it was very subconscious, to be honest, when it happened. But when I look back now, I can see that there was always a really strong woman there that, that made me think, wow, I want to work here because of her. I agree with Jay. Um, I think that Female mentorship has been critical for me. And I will say that I've had some wonderful male mentors as well. Um, I like to call them our enlightened males. And we've been very, very fortunate and, yes, blessed to have strong and generous male mentors and executive sponsors really with all of us at Insurance Supper Club and beyond really make that difference. And we are a shared chorus of voices, both male and female, making that difference. And I do think that that has helped me personally. I think sometimes you need a female mentor. Sometimes you need a male mentor. Sometimes you need both. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, alongside mentorship, is there anything else that you've done to, that really stands out as helping you get that next promotion or, or help that uh, career was the real career development piece for you? Uh, this is day. I would say, you know, when I when I started that that networking group for women in insurance investment, I really that was the first time that I created something that was giving me the opportunity to do things that that I wasn't otherwise getting the opportunity to do within my day job. Mm -hmm. So I kind of made myself have speaking opportunities. I created these opportunities for myself through 
through the networking group that I created. And then here, Margaret and I do something very similar now with Dive In. We create opportunities for, for people across the industry to get involved in something outside of their day job where they can exhibit and practice leadership skills. Um, so I think sometimes you, you have to step out of your, your day-to-day role to get what you need that will um, eventually kind of give you that, that boost in your career as you go forward. I'm also a big believer in boosting your career and, you know, acting and serving as the CEO of yourself. You know, so when I think about my career, I had um, a mentor early on say, Margaret, step into your power. And I've never forgotten that. And thank you, Sandy Callahan, for those very, very powerful words. And I think when we do step into our own power, we say yes. We raise our hand, we use our voice, and we do things that are uncomfortable. It really does make, uh, it makes us stronger as individuals, and it certainly enhances the communities, the organizations that we work in in our day job, as well as those where we volunteer as part of our own avocation. How can you step into your power? Yeah, I love that saying, and I always say, um, be conscious about it. Nothing happens by accident. So really focusing on stepping into that power and rather than stepping back, step forward. Um, a lot of people say lean in. I say step in and jump in with both feet and put yourself in situations that are uncomfortable. Put yourself in situations where you do have to grow and stretch and get those butterflies in your stomach. That's all part of the growth journey, and it may feel uncomfortable at the beginning, but after you do it the first time, the second time is much easier. Absolutely. And talking of um, stepping in, the the U.S. insurance industry has really taken uh, dive-in in its stride. Can you tell us a bit about how um, you initiated dive-in over, over in the U.S.? in the first year um, after you launched in London. And, Dave, you were there in London for the inaugural, right? I was there for the first year in London, yes. And I remember Dave calling me and emailing me about how excited she was during that time. So I was living vicariously through Dave and Barbara and all of you across the pond. And then the next year, uh, we started with just three cities, New York, where Day was, Chicago, where I was, and then Gamma Iota Sigma, where Noel was, and that was in Columbus, Ohio, housed within the Gamma Iota Sigma National Convention. So we started out with uh, three strong uh, cities, and uh, now we have 13 cities here in the U.S. 13 in the U.S., 17 across North America this year, including Bermuda, Canada, and Mexico. Wow, that's fantastic! You've come a long way. You have come a really long way. What a, um, and we start. We're talking here uh, on the first week of diving. What are some of the conversations that you're going to be having this week um, at those those events? Oh, it's it's. We're really excited, um, and you know, the diving actually did a survey of everyone that registered for for the dive-in events across the world. And through the survey, they they were looking for the topics that really resonated most, where people thought the insurance industry needed to spend the most time and attention. And 
you know, it's different by region. Every region's in a different place in terms of their their journey to inclusion and diversity. But globally, what resonated the most was definitely gender parity and and you know, kind of reaching gender equity. And then also, second to that was uh, mental health and well-being. And so we're really excited that we've got quite a few events that are really centered around those topics. And two of those events are, are happening today here in Washington, D.C. Margaret and I are here together in Washington, D.C. at the NAMIC annual convention where we're hosting um, two dive-in events this afternoon that focus on wellness. It's very exciting for us to see um, true diversity in what we're putting on in these events. As Dave said, you know, we're talking about issues that are up close and personal, and wellness certainly and mindfulness, well-being, belonging, all of those are so important. And then we have so many topics that really are front and center for all of us and causing us to, to think and to reflect and to act like climate risk and social inequality, the changing customer landscape and experience, and innovation and disruption and what that means in our IND conversations today. So I wish I could be in every city, but uh, we're dividing and conquering. So uh, Noelle will be uh, with Gamma Iota Sigma and Ensure Tech Connect in Las Vegas. We have events. Uh, in Chicago this week, New York. Um, yes, this week I'll be back. I'll be in New York tomorrow and Thursday for events there. Um, I'll be in Boston on October 10th for our very first event in Boston. We're really excited. We're we're hosting the event uh, at the Museum of African American History, and um, and and that'll be our very first dive in Boston event. So we're excited about that. Yes, we we absolutely are, and we're we're launching in Los Angeles uh, in early October. Uh, that is an inaugural city as well, so very, very a warm welcome uh, to Boston and L.A. And Hartford. And Hartford. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, um, and, and it really goes to show how much of an impact you're having over in the U.S., um, you two are both considerable change makers in the US, in U.S. insurance market. Was there anything in particular that ignited your passion for change? Yeah. Um, okay, my my story goes back to when I was six years old, uh, and uh, it's the first time I ever got in trouble. I got in trouble because I kicked a boy as hard as I possibly could and flattened him, basically. He ended up on the ground crying, and I was sent to our principal's office, which would be the headmaster in the U.K., I was terrified. Only only older boys that were kind of bullies got sent to the principal's office, not not sweet little, quiet little six-year-old girls. But um, luckily for me, the um, the headmaster was a woman, and she pulled me aside and said, what on earth made you do that? And I told her, you know, he said that boys were better than girls, and there was nothing I could do about it. And she just winked at me and said, don't ever let anyone ever say that to you again, and don't ever kick someone like that again unless it's an emergency. <laughs> so I had this this feeling where I had this this powerful adult who was kind of 
you know, complicit with me and encouraging me to fight the good fight going forward. And somehow I knew at that age that this was a fight I would be, um, would be signed up for for the rest of my life. I love that story, Dave. That's the first story, the first time I've heard it. Um, I can't beat it, but I'm going to add on to it. So I went, I had the privilege of going to an all-girls Catholic high school. So every every leader I saw was a woman or a young woman. And I just thought that was the way it was. Until I went to college, uh, and it was co-ed, the University of Illinois, and I said, oh, dear, it isn't the same as Mother Macaulay, all girls, Catholic, liberal arts high school. And I can do something about this. So I think even then I didn't know it, but I was stepping into my power. And I think that spirit has continued on with me as well. And I love the fact that we've, we maybe started, many of us started with a gender conversation and we've gotten so much broader. And the journey has, I, I think that it's a richer journey. I think that we've matured. We have a long way to go. But the fact that our conversations are not centered on gender, and certainly gender is a part of it still, mm -hmm. especially in insurance, but we're chipping away and we're making a difference. And every time we make that difference, I think, uh, I think there's a little bell that rings. And we, uh, it's our job, really, to make sure that that bell gets louder and louder. I think that is a little bell right there on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even clap that day. <laughs> I think, you know, we are, um, it's exciting to me that we are having these conversations now. You know, in New York tomorrow, we're having a conversation around metrics that matter and, we, one of our speakers is from Bloomberg, and they're talking about the Bloomberg Gender Equality Index. And just the fact that, that, that it's become so much more transparent now for, for businesses to disclose statistics around gender and pay, um, that makes me hopeful. And, uh, you know, it's, it, we're actually talking about these things. They're no longer hidden. So, so that is, is very hopeful, I think. That's fantastic. We're talking about the changes that we're making. Is there anything that stands out to either of you that you're really proud of? Well, you know, I can say I'm really proud this year for Dive In. Uh, I'm really proud that we have pretty much reached capacity for all of our events. So, you know, we've, we've had so much interest each year. It continues to grow. And, you know, we've, we've, struggle to get sometimes more of a diverse mix of people attending the events. We get a lot of very senior uh, business leaders that attend and we get very junior people, but oftentimes it can be hard to get the managers that are kind of in the middle layer, especially some of the men that are in the middle, um, and they do a lot of the hiring. And, and this year we have, I think, the most diverse mix of registrants for dive-in events that we've ever had. So to me, that's incredibly exciting to see. And I, I know personally at, at Willis Towers Watson, where I work, we have, you know, in our, in our performance um, assessments now, everyone has to attend at least one event focused on inclusion and diversity. And so I think that, that, that practices like that have really helped 
boost interest and attendance at, at all of these events across the world. So that's really exciting to see. Is that a requirement of Willis Towers Watson that each individual has to attend um, a, an event around DNI? Yes, it is, and uh, especially for for leaders um, that they have to that they have to attend an event. And it's really for really, I think, just everyone. Uh, so, so I, you know, I was very torn with that idea because I, I wanted people to, you know kind of have this interest in IND because it's really all about um, making work a better place for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, you know, you learn all these leadership skills. Why wouldn't you want to come? You should just want to come because it's so educational. But, and I, you know, I was a little bit hesitant about forcing people with kind of the compliance stick, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was the right thing to do. But I do think that the, you know, kind of the combination of the two is what's working. So once people do attend an event and hear about it from other people, then we get more people interested the next year. And, you know, kind of having these performance metrics in place as well um, does also help. And you, you travel between the East and the West for work. Is that correct? I do, and I'm I'm originally from California, but I've been in New York for more than twenty years now, um, and I and I do quite a bit of travel uh, across the U.S. and and also over to London. Is there a difference in the conversations that you're having between the different states? I would, you know, it's definitely different. I you know I mentioned earlier that. Every region's in a different place in terms of their IND journey. And so it's definitely different. And last year, in conjunction with the, with the NAMIC conference, we were in San Antonio, Texas. And many of the insurers that, that attend the conference are smaller mutual insurance companies in, um, you know, kind of that are located in the middle of the country. And so when we had IND conversations with them, we had many of of these um, business leaders at these smaller insurance companies tell us, look, you know, we're in locations where we're just not going to have access to a lot of ethnic diversity in the small towns where we are, um, you know, but we are very interested and committed to IND. And so the conversations were around all different types of diversity, um, you know, diversity in terms of age, diversity in terms of educational background, so so acquired diversity as well as inherent diversity. Um, and and so, you know, it was it was very interesting because the, the conversation is is very um, specific to to each geography. And is there any advice that you'd give to someone in those smaller regions that wants to get more proactively involved in their DNI journey? You know, a lot of them are are too small to to effectively create kind of individual employee resource groups. They might only have one or two people in each of those groups. And so it was interesting to, to talk to them because, you know, they already had kind of a 
what they felt was a real sense of community because of their smaller size. And oftentimes people have worked together for a very long time, and so they knew each other very well. So they felt like they were um, actually, you know, kind of maybe in a more open place than some of the larger um, organizations where, you know, it takes you much longer for people to kind of feel free to be who they are at work. So, so in some ways, I think there, there are definitely advantages to being a smaller company. Um, and, you know, and then it, it, it's also very, um, very much, you know, culture, as we know, is very much tied to leadership. So, you know, kind of the, the leadership at the top can really uh, set the tone for the culture of the business. So that, that's always critical. You touched a bit on it earlier, but what's next for the insurance industry? What are the conversations that you're really excited to to be a part of this week? Oh well, you know, I I have to echo what what Margaret said. I think something that's just a huge risk and therefore also huge opportunity for all of us right now is climate change. And so I think, you know, it's also Climate Week right now, in addition to Dive-In Week, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for the insurance industry to to be a leader here, and certainly already leading in terms of research, um, but, you know, I think leading in terms of um, behavioral change and insurance products and looking at risk differently and, um, you know, kind of taking a... a a leadership role in helping communities uh, organize themselves and and become more sustainable going forward. So I think that's incredibly exciting. And then also I think the big, really, you know, in addition to climate change, the other big issue for our times is technology and automation and how to find the right balance between people and technology for your organization. So I think those are, are two huge issues that that every person in the world is grappling with, but also really great opportunities for the insurance industry. So I'm, I'm excited about both those areas and think it's you know, one of the most exciting times to be in the insurance industry because there's there's so much opportunity and so much change happening right now. And just on that point, so what advice would you give to someone that is just starting out in the insurance industry or is is planning a career in insurance? What advice would you give to them to, to really help them excel? Uh, this is a good one. <laughs> Um, I've been thinking about this because I'm I'm actually um, you know, participating in a another talk next week um, with with actuaries, and you know I've been thinking about it because oftentimes you know we when we start a job we keep our heads down and we're trying to learn and get the job done and um, and it it's hard to take a step back and kind of look at the organizational structure and the relationships within the company, but it's so important. And building those networks from the beginning, I think, are just incredibly important. So, you know, kind of understanding who 
who you can leverage within the company, who could potentially be a mentor or a sponsor for you, and and building those relationships early on. I think that's some of the best advice that anyone can have. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and Margaret, um, and we look forward to tuning in soon. You've been listening to the ISC podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate, subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. You can get more information about the ISC at www.theinsurancesupperclub.com. Our show is produced by Connor Sweetman of Breakthrough Media. I'm Lara Pedley. See you next time.